Father, we pray for our nation today. Lord, we pray again that you would have mercy upon it, Lord. Father, multitudes and multitudes have no idea. Father, the church does, or it should. And Lord, we want to take some time today to stand in the gap again for our nation. Lord, we pray in the name of Almighty God that you would bring back the truth. Lord, the Word of God again would permeate this nation like it once did. Father, remembrance services are going to be going all over our country today. Father, I pray that they would take time and ask Almighty God for forgiveness of sin. Lord, we have sinned against our great God. And now our nation suffers from it, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would stir this church to take its rightful place. Lord, if they would stand up, pay the price. The church would once again arise and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Because, Lord, our nation is vulnerable. Lord, our nation is bewildered. They've wavered from the truth. They're now lost and staggered. I pray, God, that you would have mercy. And, Lord, that your voice would go out from ocean to ocean, calling and raising up people. Lord, that will continue to lift up the banner of the gospel which made this nation great. Father, again, we ask for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I do hope that you will not forget about tonight. As we look at the clip and the thousands that died and the millions that were affected, <clears throat> many of them have no idea why the terrorists and Muslims are in such a rage at this moment, but you should. The church should, as you see the last days unfolding before you. And so a 9-11 memorial service shouldn't be something the church dismisses. Maybe there'll be good moral Americans to show up. But the church is what needs to show up. It's the church's job to stand in the darkness that is around us. And tonight we're going to take a little bit of a time and have a memorial service with other people in the community. They've asked, to, they've asked me to speak maybe 8, 10, 12 minutes. There'll be family members here that have lost loved ones in the war, the recent wars. And so I'm asking that you would pray for me today, that God gives me the exact words, what to say and what not to say. A 9-11 memorial service, they're great. But if we do not inject God into it, we're messing up. So that is my responsibility tonight, is to inject God into this service. And to see your face would help me greatly. So if you can, please. It'll be similar to National Day of Prayer, probably format, something like that. Okay, can help but be affected and effected on 9-11. 
They say when something like that happens, it burns in your heart where you were. And I remember I was stunned sitting in my office that Tuesday morning watching it all unfold on my computer. Literally, absolutely stunned. <clears throat> so I thought, Lord, what should I speak on this morning? And it's a Sunday, and it's 9-11 Sunday, and it's the 10th year. All So today, this morning, is maybe going to be just little New Hope's 9-11 service, and then tonight we'll open it up for the entire community. But I thought I was pretty well set, and I went back to my office about, I don't know, 7.30 last night, and through some of the saints that were sending me stuff concerning 9-11, I felt God wanted me to change the entire outline that I had for this morning. And so I've set that one aside for another day, and I've titled tonight's, or this morning's message is, I am second. I am second, which normally most of us Americans don't like to be. We do not like to be second in anything. And to make some silly parallels, but just to, just to show you, um, sort of even with football, okay, there's probably a lot of your favorite team, people here, your favorite teams, the Cleveland Browns, to my knowledge, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, they have absolutely never, ever, ever, ever made it to the Super Bowl, which is the goal in the NFL, which starts now. The goal, that's what they strive for. They spend millions and millions and millions of dollars, sign people for five years, 60 million, 10 years, 119 million. It's mind-boggling to get to that Super Bowl. And they have never, ever, ever, ever got there. Now you take the Buffalo Bills, who are even looked at, if not even despised, worse than the Cleveland Browns, who never got there. And the reason is, is because the Bills got there four times and lost every once, lost every game. They came in second out of all the teams four times, went to the Super Bowl, lost all four times, and their franchise has more tarnish on it than a team that has never, ever got there. We do not like being second at all. Another case in point, which would be a little more humorous. I had no clue what to do with this thing until today. Because actually it was sitting down in a corner somewhere and we we're cleaning out the foyer, so you've got to make it look nice. And I told uh, John, as you are, put this up on a mezzanine, get, put it up there somewhere. Okay, this is the result of our very first uh, church softball team. Uh, you would think we won, right? Look at the size of this thing. I am at least six foot, so, I mean, it, and so they came and gave this to us, and we're showing all the guys, and they're all the wisecracks, and I'm saying, put it up in the mezzanine, but almost everybody said, because it goes Zanesville City Recreation Softball League, Church Central Division, and in big letters it says, runner-up! And everybody like couldn't stand that because it was screaming second. And they were wanting to chisel it off and white it out and all that kind of stuff. And I really had no clue what to do. And I thought, this is awesome because I'm calling the message today, I am second, which is the absolute opposite. 
of what our life consists of. So the opening text is found in Exodus 20. And so here we go. We're going to have two preachers this morning. I'm going to go just for a little bit and make a point. And then another preacher will back up my point and solidify everything way better than I could. Exodus 20 verse 1 says this, And God spake all these words, saying, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now we've told you over and over throughout the years, Egypt to us is a type of the world. That which you were engrossed in before you gave your heart to God. Or you could still be in it if you haven't given your heart to God. And God is speaking to the Jews at that time. He gave them great deliverance out of Egypt. Just like He gave you great deliverance out of the world. And as He gave you this great deliverance, He starts laying out some rules. And number one, He says, You, you shall have no other gods before Me. None. So this first commandment logically flows from understanding who God is. In other words, God's saying, if it wasn't for me, pal, you'd still be in Egypt, in the bondage, in your pride and arrogance, in the occult, in the drunkenness and the stupor that you lived in. God says, if it wasn't for me, that's where you would be. And so he lines us up with this no other gods. Nothing is to come before God. And He is the only God that you should worship and serve. Only God. In the days of ancient Israel, there was a great temptation to worship gods of materialism. Like Baal. You can see it all through the Word of God. The God of weather and finances. Success. Have you heard of the word Ashroth? And they made Ashroth pools. All through the Old Testament, it was the goddess of sex and romance and reproduction. Or any other of the deities that they would come up with. You and I are tempted to worship these same gods, but not with all those weird names. Ashroth and Baal. The names might have changed, but the worship is still there. No other gods... Before me, is what he says. Now this does not even come close to implying it's permissible to have other gods. It's not at all. It doesn't mean that at all. As long as they line up behind God. No, instead, listen, the instead here is that there is to be no other gods before the sight of the true God in our life. None whatsoever, even in His sight. No other gods. You see, they took them towers out because they felt that they would absolutely ruin the financial God of America. That's why they aimed at them things. We'd be in total chaos as they took down our gods. This word before me, no other gods before me, this word literally means to my face. There better be no God before me to my face in your life. None whatsoever. And we could 
be here till next 9-11, listing out gods. Our cars, our trucks, our children, our sports. Man, your MVL God. For 21 years, I tried my very best not to have any type of church, God-fearing, praying, seeking God for revival meeting on Friday from September to whenever. Church, you won't come. One time a person said to me, oh, they're in church, even though they're not in church. Because, see, you will go to the church, to the God you serve. And God is saying, no other God. This means God's demands are to be more than just adding God to your life. It's, it's not just adding God in the MVL or the NFL or the NHL or the HHGTV or the other, all the things that we get into that we could name, which is kind of useless right now and misses the whole point. We don't just add Jesus to our life. He has to become our life. No other gods before me. Genesis 3, 5 says this. For God doth know that the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. In this scripture, we are going to deal with almost the most powerful God in the world. Because my point will be this. For God doth know in the day that you eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The most powerful God in the world is you. Oh yeah. The most powerful God that tries to dictate and scream and roll and have uh, reign over my life is me. It's me. There is a struggle for the throne room in my life. There is a constant hand-to-hand battle for the throne room. Who sits on the throne of this person's life? And it's me. And when the enemy came, say he. Did you know? If you eat of this fruit, you will be just like God. What? I will. And she went, I got to have that. Because her desire was to be just like God. Like you and I like to be God of our lives. And God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Hence the title of the message. Oh God, let me be second. And we could see sometimes, even through jest, what second does. That's what's this big runner-up thing. Second. Buffalo Bills are the biggest laughing thing. They've been there four times, but they finished second. This is one of the f- biggest enticements that the enemy does. Most powerful. Because that's how Satan fell himself. Remember, look, Satan was absolutely created. Created being created perfect, yet fell. Because he wanted no longer to be second. Second. What usually divides churches? Usually the guy that's 
second to the pastor because you just get to being second. I could do it better. And this is in our fallen nature to be like God, to be in control. In our fallen nature is the desire to be number one in our lives. Absolutely number one. As bad as this will sound, that's what I want to be to my wife. I want to be number one. I want to get all her praise, all her love, all her adoration, all her good words. Well, it's obvious that I can't be. But boy, I sure would love to be that. Because we love being number one. We, we just do. We love it. John 3.30 says, He must increase and you and I got to get out of the way. God must increase in our lives. And John says, but I must decrease. I can't imagine the kind of man John the Baptist had to be. He's flourishing in this great ministry. People coming to Christ, he's baptizing them like crazy. Tremendous moves of God going on. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he goes, he's not in competition. I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. I must decrease as you increase. That is not in us. That kind of thinking is not in us at all. We love to buy the newest products that ever come out most of the time so that we could be number one with it. You have the 010 model. I have the 11 model. I mean, that's the same car and they just changed the bumper this way. That's it. It will drive you. You have to have that because no one else does. It's that driven, that sinful thing inside of us and we, listen, we tell God, get off the throne. Thank you. And we sit on the throne of our lives. A lot of times, unintentionally, I know, but we do. That scripture should be our motto. That he must increase and I must decrease. Understand, now listen, come on, let's be wise. We can say stuff like that and nod our heads and don't even mean it. We know it's Scripture. We know it's true. But it's like a cold day. You know where I said. No, this is what God wants. For this church to be used to glorify God, you have to be invisible. You do. That is the key. A, a huge key. Jesus should become greater and greater and more visible in this ministry. And the servants should become less and less visible. Less and less. That is totally opposite to the nature that's in us. I'd like to thank the Academy. Oh, come on. Isn't it true? It's total opposite of what is in us. Total. That's why it is so crucial that the church be the church 
at a time like this. Of no reputation. Look, I just recently met with our praise team and band, and I told them this. Look, if, if we want to have success, if we want to have the presence of Almighty God, then you need to sing and play, and I need to preach as if we're invisible. Because when you're up here singing or something, and they go, oh, Rod. And he's getting all the praise. If Rod be lifted up, if that's the case, if that's what's happening to you, you got to get on your face. The same thing with preaching and with the playing. Man, what, what needs to be, the buzz needs to be, man, wasn't God awesome today? His Word was powerful, that song, I was in the heavenlies. If that doesn't happen, then we're no longer second. We're first again. We become first. Somehow we trick ourselves, we are sly. Sometimes I swear that Lucifer is a Boy Scout compared to us. And how sly and trick we are. John 12, 32 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's church growth. That's how more people will come here. If we lift up the Lord, He will draw them. That's what it says. That's what the Word says. That word lifted simply means to lift up on high. To exalt. God said, if you do that, if you lift me up on high, God said, they will become. They will come. Your walk needs to be and should be so clear to everybody that Jesus Christ is number one in your life. Should be. Absolutely should be. Your walk every day how you act at home. None of us are around at the work site, shopping, driving, you and God, whatever it is, your walk should be clear to everyone around you that Christ is number one. In fact, if there is something off color or something not right, the buzz should be, don't show Lenny, don't tell, don't show that to, that's not going to fly. He'll never go for that. Because of your walk. James 4, 7 tells us in a New Living Translation just the first five words. So, humble yourself before God. Humble. Man, who really loves to be humble? Who has that in your goal? As January 1 passed and we're now into October or September, one of your goal was to lose weight and to be humble. Make me humble, God. No way. Because that's not in that fallen nature. It's not in that. It's not in us to be humble. James says, so humble yourselves before God. Humble means to submit. Wouldn't it be grand to submit simply because you see it in the Word and you love God. Rather than God have to wrestle you for five years, put you in this vice that there's nowhere else to look but up, and then you say, I submit, I submit. It means to be subordinate to something. To be lower. 
means you have your throne way up here in the heavenlies of your mind. And all the adorations around you, you willingly get off the throne and humble yourself. Remember, they're talking about throwing their crowns at His feet. That's what God is saying. I'll gladly do so. Without any music, without any lights, our altar call is going to be simply we've been reminded of the gods in our life. Maybe ourself. Altar call will be this. By coming to this altar, you're going to tell God, God, to the best of my strength and my ability, I want to be saved. I want you to be God of my life. Will you lay down all the trophies? Let's stand. Father, as we prepare our hearts, Lord, I pray as the people stand, Lord Jesus, they would sense the Spirit of God. Lord, that you would pinpoint things that have become God in their lives. And Lord, that you would give them the courage to come to this altar. And as they come, Lord, they would be making the statement, I am second. In Jesus' name. Our altars are open. Please come. Make your way.